Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. We don't want the almost too good to be true good news, right? We've had that for a couple hundred years in our country. We want the raw only good news. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit today about prayer. This will probably end up being really, really practical, but just listen in with me and uh, I just trust that Jesus will speak to your heart. Everybody say practical is good. What I mean by practical is I want to uh, maybe give you some keys, some key takeaways that are applicable, um, something that you can actually do. I know I didn't give you any Bible verses in the back, Katie, um, but I'm going to probably read from Matthew 6 because that's like, man, the top when it comes to prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Um, Matthew chapter 6. I don't, see, I don't want to read all of that. I might just read 1 through 15. We'll cover what's called the Lord's Prayer. And then I'll jump around. But definitely 1 John chapter 4. Uh, I think that's wrong. I think it's 1 John chapter 5, um, 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Let me just cover the Lord's Prayer with you. Some of Matthew 6, and then we'll look at that 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus talking. Everybody say the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Three chapters full of just... Uh, just just beauty. If you don't read the Beatitudes on a regular basis, I'm telling you, you are missing it um, because it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful. And not only is it beautiful, it's meant for us. So you can read it and be like, man, I'm not doing that. Um, but it's not called the do attitudes. It's called the be attitudes. It's the attitudes of being. And it's, it's who we are and they should be gleaming from our life. And maybe today we'll get a touch base on some of these things. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, he goes over the blessed are yous. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. He goes on to say, you're blessed when people revile you and persecute you. Now that one I've had before. Right? He goes on to tell us that we're salt and that we are liked. He says, you are this of the world, right? And Matthew 5 and 17, he tells you that he's the one that fulfills the law. Why is that a big deal? Because he did it. You don't have to try to do it because we couldn't do it anyway. He does that, right? He makes a very scary statement in my opinion, Matthew 5 and 20. He says, I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What? They were extremely righteous in their own right. But as you keep on reading, he brings, he really shows some of the difference between law and grace. Everybody say that, say grace doesn't lower the standard, but it raises it. Well, I thought the law was high. Like, who can keep the law? You're going to give me something easy? No, grace raises the standard. Because in the law, you had to actually sleep with somebody outside of marriage to commit fornication. Jesus steps up in here. He, he about to blow that out the water. Right? So, uh, that, that was under the law. You had to do the act of the thing. So, in Matthew 5 and 21, he teaches you that murder isn't so much you taking a knife and stabbing it in the brother's heart. That's not it. He says, I say to you, if you are angry with your brother without a cause, you'll be in danger of judgment. Now, how many, how many have ever done that? That's just something we do on the south side of Edmond. Maybe nowhere else? Okay, okay, okay. There's a lot of people that struggle with lying in this room. I know that much because they should have been every hand up in the room. So for the rest of us, right? He says adultery is a matter of the heart. Murder is a matter of the heart. Whew. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you look on a woman to lust for her or man, 
to lust for him or her, you've already committed adultery within the heart. Why is he saying this? He wanted them to know. One, I know your struggles. I know everything that you're going through. But I want you to know where all that really originates from is the heart. Right? He talks about how marriage is sacred and binding in verse 31 and 32. He, he, he talks about where he forbids oaths in 33 to 37. He talks about going the extra mile and everything that you do, 38 through 42. And then at the very end of that, he talks about loving your enemies. Remember who he's talking to, Jewish people who are currently oppressed by the Romans. They did not want to hear him say, love your enemies. Hmm? But he tells them to do it. And then in chapter 6, Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain, by the way, as he's teaching all. This is all one day, one day of teaching, five, six, and seven. This all happens in one day. He says, take heed that you don't do charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you don't have a reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, when you do the good deed, just for God to say, hey, man, I saw you gave that brother a coat. That was awesome. He said, if, if that was the reason that you did it, he said, your reward is the fact that somebody saw you do it. Let me ask you a question. Can anybody reward you better than your father in heaven? No, no, no. So listen to what Jesus is saying. He said, that was your reward. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets. They do this that they may have glory from men. I say unto you, that's their reward. Literally, in their day, when somebody would get ready to do something, something good, they would announce it. I, Joshua, I am going to feed this poor brethren. Very spiritual of me. I do it for the Lord. He said they blow a trumpet. Like, man, you would hire a trumpet blower to come and stand beside you? Why? Because every eye in the room went that way. He said, that's your reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in what? Secret. And your father who sees where? Will himself reward you where? You do the deed in secret, but the reward is always open. See that? And then he says this. Now, this is called the Lord's Prayer. We call it that. Jesus never called it the Lord's Prayer. If anything, it's the disciples' prayer. The real Lord's Prayer is John 17. Right? Bill Johnson taught me this because Jesus never sinned. And in here he talks about sin. It wasn't the Lord's Prayer. He was given more of a model prayer for his disciples. And when you pray, he says, don't be like the who? Did you know hypocrites pray? Some of y'all know some of them. You know hypocrites pray. Hypocrites pray. What makes them hypocritical prayers? For they love to pray standing in the churches. Let me just say it that way. And on corners of the street, public places. But they do it that they may be seen by men. But surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in where? Secret place. And your father who sees where? In secret will do what? He'll reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the what? Do you know hypocrites pray and heathens? Now where I'm from, they call people heathens all the time back in North Carolina. Like my mama would be like, you heathen? I'm like, dang, mom. I was a heathen with a prayer life, though. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as a heathen do. He says, he, anyway, I'm going to talk about this. What makes it, what do heathens do in prayer? Well, they, they say the same thing over and over. Okay. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. This is crazy to me. Therefore, do not be like them. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask. So, this is the way, therefore, to pray. Now, watch what he says. Verse 9 and 10 are foundational to everything that we do. Our what? Notice he didn't say our God. 
Come on, I'm helping you today. Let's start calling him what Jesus called him. Our Father, our Abba, our Papa in heaven, hallowed, sacred, holy, set aside, be your name. Your kingdom, your kingdom what? Your will be what? Where? Here, how? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe the Father's will is always done in heaven? That's not a trick question. Yes. He said, to the same degree that your will is being done in heaven, let it happen on the earth. Jesus says, learn to pray that. Give us this day our what? And forgive us our what? As we forgive our what? I used to think that meant, Lord, will you pay my car payment for me? Will you pay my mortgage? <laughs> Do not lead us into what? But deliver us from what? The evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's just stop right there. Now let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and then we'll be done. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and I'll probably quote some other things to you, and then we'll be done. This is amazing. This is the last living disciple of Jesus Christ who lived the longest, and he's, I don't know, it's probably 40 years or more that he's writing this after the other apostles have all gone to be with Christ, and this is what he writes. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, which is Jesus. You, you have to see this, that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. Now, it's one thing to know that he hears you. Now, watch this. And if we know that he what? Then whatever we what? We what? Know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Father, let your word speak to us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say prayer. Say this. Say prayer is our heir. One more time. Prayer is our heir. I can remember growing up in my household um, with my parents. Even though my dad, I grew up in a, in a, in a, a Christian household. My dad pastored a Baptist church. Um, I didn't often hear my dad pray. I'm not saying he didn't pray. He prayed, but he prayed in private. But even as a boy... The few times I would hear my mom and dad pray, it marked my life. It was just different. And my dad was the kind of man that he would actually get down on the floor. He must not have skinny kneecaps like me because it hurts. But he would get down on the floor and pray. You know, he took the, he assumed the position of prayer. It'd be like this, or I think most of the time he actually would pray like this. And he would just pray. And honestly, as I'm walking by doing what I do, I mean, I knew he was praying, but I didn't understand how that worked. I didn't know, is there a formula for how you do that? Do you just sit down and you do you just pray the Bible? Do you just tell God what you need? Like, like pay this bill. You know, my neighbor's being crazy. Um, I got a back doctor's report. I need you to heal me. Like, what was this thing called prayer? So to be quite honest with you, I spent the first 18 years of my life growing up in a Christian household, and it was assumed that I prayed, and it was assumed I understood how it worked. And Christian assumption about the fundamentals of our faith is something, I'm going to tell you something, you never want to assume. We wouldn't, if your child plays football, you wouldn't assume he knows how to catch a ball. You would actually practice with him till he understands it. When, when, when my son started playing a little bit of flag football, I wasn't the best at football. I played, but I, I did what all smart people do. I went and bought a football, right? I talked to some of my friends. Watch this. I even got on YouTube and watched coaches that coach only young athletes and one of his coaches said, you should go watch this video. And what they talked about is they said, make the diamond shape with your hands and teach him to catch the ball like this. Just He said, they said it's going to be awkward, but just keep teaching him. Just keep teaching him. Just keep teaching him. And eventually, 
Every time Honor would do it wrong, I'd say, pick up your hands, boy, pick up your hands, catch the ball up here. I'm throwing above his head, trying to get him to catch the ball. And eventually, that became second nature to him. He didn't have to think about it anymore. He was naturally doing it. And I recognize something. I am training him or teaching him how to do this until eventually it becomes second nature. In the household that I grew up in, I went to church doing church things, but honestly, everything didn't take in me. My parents meant very, very well. Very loving parents. Please hear me. I'm just saying they never actually got down with me and said, this is what we're doing, son, and this is how you do it. This is why we do it. This is why this is a very serious matter. As I begin to research, even reading a little bit about prayer, I, I still read that how the Jews t- still do that with their kids. They get down and they teach them how to pray and they teach them what to say. Understand that the only question the disciples ever asked Jesus in terms of teaching them something was not teach me how to raise the dead. That would have been the one I would have asked. Especially if you're single. Shoot, y'all girls follow me to the graveyard. Come on. I'm about to, I'm about to blow your mind. Y'all ain't saying nothing. T, look, have you seen anybody else walk on water? Come with me. I'd have been like, Jesus, show me how to calm the storm and the waves and show me how to walk on water. What is that secret? That's, that's just me. That's how I don't think it. No, let me, let me take that back. I would have probably said, can you show me how you made money appear in that fish's mouth? Because I'm going to make it appear up under my pillow. Like, it's going to be like, boop, mortgage paid. Like, I'm just, I'm paying for you. You get a house. You get a, the spirit of Oprah came with me. You get, everybody get a house. Like, I could think of some really cool things to ask the son of God. Teach me how to do this. They didn't ask him for none of those things. In Luke's gospel, they come to Jesus and they, they had spent a, at least a year of this time walking around with him. They had watched him pray. The scripture says, as Jesus' custom was, he went and prayed. As his custom was, he went and prayed. First off, he did it on a regular basis. Do you know that most of us, we only pray from crisis to crisis? I forgot my sponges because I would throw them today. And if you only pray when your life is in a storm, then you obligate life to keep throwing storms at you because that's the only thing that keeps you praying. Ask me how I know. But you don't see Jesus running to pray when things got hard. That should be a reality, but it should be our custom. Rather, you see Jesus approaching prayer as a delight, not a dread. I think Jesus found joy in prayer. I hope my kids never dread spending time talking to me. And if we view prayer as anything other than that, primarily, I think we're missing it. It is so quiet in here. You can hear a moth peeling a cotton ball right now. I'm telling you, Jesus enjoyed prayer and his disciples watched him do it. And it was from his posture in prayer out of ongoing communion with Abba that he would, yes, get on boats and calm wind and waves. Yes, he would multiply fish and bread. And if you really read it, after some of the most historic miracles in the Bible, the scripture says that Jesus would then steal away and pray. Actually, I think it's Mark's gospel says he would actually rise a great while early before the sun would come out. He would find a solitary place and there he would pray. But he did it all the time. And after watching him, okay, he goes to prayer and he goes and does this. He goes to prayer and he goes and does this. He goes to prayer and he goes and does it. There's something about that. We're Jewish people. We understand scripture. If that's the secret, I want to learn how to do it. And they didn't listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. 
They didn't go to prayer to learn how to persuade God to do something for them. Jesus Christ, hear that today. Prayer was not, I'm about to go Christina Aguilera, I'm a genie in a bottle. Some of you just Google it anyway, just like that prayer, that wasn't prayer to them. Come, come, come and work it out. That wasn't what it was. And we treat prayer as if, oh, I'm in trouble, go to God. This isn't working out, go to God. I want a bigger house, then go to God and pray. No, 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 no. And they watched Jesus do this enough, and they said, I want to figure out how he does that. Actually, at least twice in the Gospels, while Jesus was praying, a voice spoke from heaven. The voice of his father spoke. And they had watched a lot of people pray to God, but never had they seen a man actually pray to God and a voice speak back. I wonder how intimate his prayer life would have been. Let me be very transparent with you. If you hop with me in my prayer life, you might say, hey, boy, you, your prayer life is boring. But it's not about fireworks. If you're taking notes, remember what I'm fixing to tell you. Jesus of Nazareth never had to ask the Father to forgive him in any prayer session. You know how most of my prayer sessions have been, forgive me? <laughs> he never had to do that. He never had to say, forgive me, and he never had to say, Father, give me. And I am persuaded this Sunday morning of August that if we take the forgive me out of most of our prayers and Father give me, we don't even have a prayer life. So what would it be like to slide into one of his prayer meetings? What else could he have to talk about? That fishermen and tax collectors would say, teach me that. And he says, okay, I will. When you pray, understand that it starts with an awareness that you're not just approaching God. Though he is that, you are approaching a father. And he did not say, no, no it's not even in the New Testament. It is not ever your, Paul never says your father or your God. Do you understand? It is always in a corporate text it is always our father a hundred percent of the time he's always the father of all even paul says there's one faith one lord one baptism one and one god and father of all and then he says sorry american christian one god and father of all and he says this in all of all he's always the father of all he says, understand when you approach God, you are approaching the father of all. Everybody say it's about family. He's a father. We see God as like sitting on like this throne type chair, you know, with two guards beside him or something. Not trying to be sacrilegious in any way, but. When I pray, I don't, that has never been my experience. He does sit on the throne. He does have one. But can I tell you something? He, he'll also walk with you through a park. I have a lazy boy in my, in my, in my living room that I, it's not, it might as well not even be mine. I'll never sit in it. But this morning I laid across the couch with my son. And he was as much with me there as he would be in that lazy boy. Jesus says, you are approaching the father. Why is this huge? Because in their minds, they had never heard nobody call him father before that. You understand that nobody did that prior to Jesus. Jesus came and called him Abba. When we went, when we went to Jerusalem, it was really cool. I mean, the little kids, they had the little haircuts like the like the. I don't know what they call it, just Jewish haircut. Little kids running around. And they would say that. I mean, you know, I'm a crybaby anyway. But they're running up to their dads and they were saying, Abba. 
And I'm like, man, every time I heard that, I'm like, man, that's a real thing to these guys. And Jesus took a term that a Jewish boy would say to their father. And he said, what you guys don't understand is he's the Abba of all. Yeah, but he's Yahweh. Yeah, but he's, he's Jehovah. Yeah, but he's Adonai. Yeah, but he's Jireh. Yeah, but he's, he gave you those things for you to begin to get a glimpse of who he was. But before he's Adonai, before he's Jireh, before he's creator, before he's miracle worker, he's first and always Abba. So when you come, you come saying Abba, you come saying Father. I still to this day do this every single night, guys, with my kiddos when I pray. Because I'm praying to Jesus that this will seep down into their genes until they know this to be true. The first thing I want you to catch about prayer is it is an awareness that we are approaching a loving father. And can I tell you this? If you don't pray with your kids, please start. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. It's the, the, the longer it goes on without doing it, the more awkward it seems. But start. Don't be afraid to start. You know how many times I've started working out and quit working out and started working out and quit working out. I started again last week with Kaylin. He ha- almost halfway killed me. To this day, I, my legs are... Yeah, I struggled a lot yesterday. I mean, I said, I pray that God... You're going to have... Anyway, God going to get you back. But just start. Everybody say, just start. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Recognize you're coming, talking to a loving Father and start there. Why is that important? Because the Father, they would go on to get revealed through the life of Jesus to them that the Father is exactly 100% who Jesus was. And Jesus was extremely loving, extremely gracious, extremely kind, extremely wise, extremely giving. And so he was trying to show the same way I am with you guys. That's who Abba is. Oh, he's like that? Whoa. Because, you know, Moses, now, what God did Moses show me? I mean, he put up a, a wall around the mountain and said, anybody that comes through here, God's going to hit you with a lightning bolt and kill you. For real, that's in the Bible. But Jesus comes and said, let me shape the way that you actually see him. He never said when you see Moses, you see the father. He didn't say when you see Abraham, you see the father. He didn't say when you see Jephthah, you see the father. He didn't say when you see Habakkuk, you see the father. He didn't say when you see Nehemiah, you see the father. He says, but when you see me, you see the father. And the thing that attracts you to my prayer life is not so much the power you see coming out of my fingertips. There's this thing called intimacy and you recognize it when you are around me. And everything that I get, everything that you see me do, it is sourced out of my union and of my communion with the father. And they said, we want that. We want that. We want that. What do I do? Well, you first got to recognize he's a father. He's a father. I want you to write this down. Prayer is not us trying to persuade Papa to do anything. Everybody know what? Listen, I'm Native American Indian. You can't offend me. Okay? I'm brown. I don't get offended by the color stuff. If that, That's just your own immaturity. But, you know, I mean, we, we live in a crazy day. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. I suggest you don't even watch the news. You'd be so better off if you don't watch the news. Trust me. You know what Indian burn is? You know what Indian burn is? If I, boy, if I just, if I pray hard enough, maybe I can get God to do something for me. <laughs> As if prayer is me trying to persuade Papa to do anything. You know what prayer really is in one essence? It is us engaging by way of communion with our Heavenly Father. Watch this now. Until His desires seep into our heart. And then you actually start praying the things that are on the Father's heart. And they go from His heart to your heart. And then you start praying for things. See, you can either pray, God, will you do what I'm blessing? Or God, let me do what you're blessing. Did you see that? So Psalms 37 and 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you what? The 
I used to think that meant this. If I go to church and have a good time, anything I want, God will give it to me. Life taught me that was a lie. That was not true. Right? Mari Povich. You are, that ain't, that ain't true. That ain't how it works. You know what that means? As you delight yourself in the Lord, he puts the things in your heart that you are supposed to desire. So that you can desire the right things. That makes sense? So the Lord doesn't give us like an assignment to pray, watch this, just to keep us busy. As if any of us need anything else to do. He didn't give us that to keep us busy. He gave us the beautiful thing of prayer so that he can fulfill the desires that he puts in our heart. I'm going to give you a big thought. This is Genesis 1. This is Genesis 1. God makes the cosmos a small portion of the cosmos. I'm talking about something the size of a grain of sand in the cosmos is the earth. If you ever look at the earth in, in light of the universe, we, we're not, you can't even see us. But the earth is special because he put us on it. He says something in Genesis 1. He says, let them have what? Dominion. When those words left his lips, because God is a king, and when a king says something, it becomes law. When he said that, God didn't say, as God, I give myself dominion over the earth. He didn't say that. He said, let them have dominion over the earth. That's why God doesn't stop school shootings. You, you just mentioned it. I just you, you mentioned the catastrophe. Why doesn't God stop it? Because God would say, I don't have dominion there. You do. I can't go to Janora and Mark's house and start a stop stuff because I don't have dominion there. Legally, he does. I do at my house. Where you have dominion at, you get to exercise that dominion. God gave dominion to us. Now, don't miss what I'm fixing to tell you. Now on the earth, if anything gets done on the earth, it will not because God flies in and makes it happen. It will always be because a human being co-labored with God in prayer, caught his heartbeat. And by activity, prayer, however we get it done, what was on God's heart seeped into the heart of a human being, and we exercise it out. And what happens when that happens is Matthew 6. Heaven came to the earth because you put yourself in a posture of prayer with your heavenly father and as his child. And out of that connection, the reality of heaven manifested in a certain situation. God doesn't do anything on the earth just because he wants to. If that was the case, there wouldn't be one broke person. There wouldn't be one child getting sex trafficked. There wouldn't be one person with any kind of addiction. People say, well, God always has his way. Really? Really? You believe that? Well, God is in control. Really? Tell that to the person whose spouse beat him last night. God is not always in control. Who did he give dominion to? Us. If change is going to happen, we have to catch his heart. I'm telling you, mainly through the place of prayer. But he doesn't let us pray to keep us busy. He lets us pray by way of intimacy and communion. We can literally catch his heart and say, oh, this is what the Lord wants to do in this situation. When we pray, listen to what Jesus said. When we pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Everything doesn't have to be public all the time. I rarely put what I do on like social media. Which, by the way, don't put your stuff on social media. Jesus, man, come on. I don't care what you ate last night. But let me tell you something. But what's really bad is when you put down every time you have an issue. Your marriage will be so much healthier. Take it to Jesus or at least tell somebody who cares and has the means to cause some kind of difference in it. Oh, my God. Pray before you post. Give me anointed fingertips, Jesus. Especially the ones that say, every man is bad and every woman is bad and everybody, I'm like, no, the ones you have are bad. But they, anyway, don't, don't, you don't post that stuff because we're just showing our IQ. When we do that, I just highly encourage you, don't do it. Pray before you post. Don't put all your stuff on social media. Now, where was I going? I don't remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, like the, the hypocrites. <laughs> they... Jesus says when the hypocrite man prays because they obviously have a prayer life according to Jesus, it's not about letting everybody know what you're doing. But I love this. 
Watch this. It's not about being loud. Watch this. We do, you may raise the volume when you pray, but I'm going to be honest with you. Come here, God love. God loves a pretty good friend of mine. If when I, every time I want to talk to you and I'm this close, how you doing, God love? Want to come to my house today and eat? You know what he's really going to start doing? Probably start distancing himself from me. <laughs> if you get around some people like in their prayers, like, oh, their God is deaf. Oh, I see. Oh, that God is deaf. I want to say this. God is not deaf. I am not saying we can't be passionate when we pray. Your public prayer meeting may be different, but I'm talking about in your personal time with the Lord for those that actually put effort to have that in your personal prayer lives. Jesus said, when you come to the Father, don't be like the hypocrites because they sound in law and they're trying to be really loud as if God says, you're the loudest in the room. I know what it's like to go to church with, and you have, you know, those people, and we call them the spiritual people. I'm like, no, they ain't spiritual. They're really carnal. Thank you, bro. Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> and I used to try to be that way. Y'all ain't never done that. I'm going to be loud because they were loud, and people looked at him and were like, whew. I wanted somebody to look at me and say, shoo, that boy's anointed. No, I was loud, and I got hoarse. And God didn't no more hear me when I was loud than he did when I was whispering. He said, that's actually hypocritical. You don't know who you are. No, let me change that. You don't know who Abba is. Remember, we have more of a Baal type prayer life than we do want to really Abba. Remember what happened when the prophets of Baal went to pray? Elijah said, go ahead and call out. Call out to him. They were jumping up on rocks and Throwing stuff and taking rocks and cutting themselves, trying to get their God's attention. And this is before Jesus coming and before we knew God was really, really a father. And Elijah stands back and he sees that kind of prayer and he's going. <sighs> then he says this, mocking them. He says, why don't you cry a little bit louder? Maybe he'll hear you. He actually says this. He says, maybe God took a trip. He's gone. I'm like, dang, Elijah, you go. And then he says, this is in the Bible. And then he says, well, maybe he went to the toilet. Remember that in the Bible? And we all been in those prayer meetings. And he said, then there's the heathenistic way of praying. He said, they say the same thing over and over and over as if God says. That's right, Kaylee. You just keep right on praying. Because, yep, yep, you got five today. Keep right on praying. Because when you get to 100, I'm telling you, you're going to tip the bowls. And you're going to win as if God is keeping score. And you did it more than the other person. And so, ding, 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 you win. He said, don't do that. When you pray, recognize you're coming to a loving father. And then Jesus says, also recognize he knows what you need before you pray. Like when your kids come and say, my daughter, she ain't been full in eight years. She's never been full. She eats all the time. You know, she asks you what's for lunch, why she eating breakfast. I'm like, well, you just, you know, eat your waffles for right now. We good. And I want to say, I have taken care of all. You'll never have to. You're never going to starve. I know what you need before you need it. But it don't stop me from asking. Jesus says, your heavenly father knows what you have need of before you ask. Recognize that about him. But I love this. He said, but recognize he's first and foremost, he's the father who sees in secret. But he always rewards what? In public. Now, this changed me. I'm talking about that. That last statement, that changed a lot of what I do. It changed a lot of my approach. Because honestly, I want public reward. Whatever that looks like in heaven, if Jesus, if that's the reality, give it to me. But the reason I had little to none of that is because I was missing the private, secret portion of that. My approach was all wrong. All wrong. Prayer is really catching on to the heart of God of what he desires. And it seeps into your heart. And you get to manifest that in your daily life. That's how things happen from heaven to earth. 
But before we approach the place of prayer and asking for anything, I'm not saying don't ask. My God, I just preached on ask big. All of that is always secondary to the Our Father portion where you got to let your heart be smitten with wonder. Like, I mean, like wonder. So, is, is uh, Miss Darla in the room? Darla, you in here? Okay. Oh, she got a baby. You know, I, I was going to say, I'll get Mark to, pray, uh, Mark to play. You get, okay, Alex, he got it. I'm trying to think, how, how transparent and vulnerable can I be here? Um, I've been married for, I think we're going on 13 years in September. I think it's 13 years. I, can, I don't know if any other men struggle with remembering dates and numbers, but I'm the, I'm the worst, and I own it. I always struggle, is it the 23rd or the 24th? And like the whole week up to it, I'm like, is it the 23rd or the 24th? I don't remember which one I get married. But, but there's, watch this, there's times my wife will walk in a room, and watch this, my heart doesn't go, whoa! My God, there she is. Especially after you had a passionate conversation, y'all ain't. Unholy people call them arguments. I call them passionate conversations, right? Well, just life is hard, you know. You can have some rough days sometimes. But you know what helps me to watch this, to stir up the awe even for my spouse? Watch, now watch what I'm about to tell you. One, I just look at her until it gets really awkward. I say crazy things to her. Like, I do this all the time, for real. I do this in public, but it's way worse when nobody's around us, right? And if you're around us all the time, you know I do this. Anybody in the room can testify? Kayla, can you testify about that? Yeah, she's like, yeah, I probably can. I do this all the time. But I, I watch this. I fan the own flames of my love for my wife. I have pictures on my phone, she posted something this morning that she never tell me. Like, if you just tell me when you post those, like, I could go cry with you or something. You know what I mean? Like, she posted something really great this morning. I didn't see it until I was in my office. And I got the ugly face. You know the ugly spiritual face you get? You could tell when people are really encountering the Lord in the room sometimes because you look around, you're like, oh, they, they feeling him. That right there, that's, that's Jesus. <laughs> I ain't never seen that before. Just hit me in my office this morning. She made this post. I'm like, that's so sweet. But I put a picture of her in front of me or I just look at her and I'm telling you man the flames in my heart that are there like I know the embers are there I just have to fan them sometimes well I think about God and my heart doesn't like go crazy I get it man you done worked 8, 10, 12 hours a day ran kids to school ran kids to I don't know football practice all the stuff you, you like me you come home you got dishes that are dirty maybe the house isn't the best you go to the mailbox, you got 27 bills you didn't know you had. I mean, life is life. Do you not think that Jesus understands that? That's why he's calling these men that follow him together to reshape how they thought about everything. And I'm telling you, this is, this is profound. Understand that when you come to the Father, call him that, acknowledge that, and recognize that he is sacred, he is hallowed, he is holy. He is in heaven, he is above all. And just peer into him, gaze into him, behold him for a while, and let your heart get, watch this, baptized in wonder again. And I'm telling you, your prayer life will change. And my most beneficial, impactful prayer times are the ones where I actually say the least. Because he's not saying if you'd have just prayed five minutes longer and used a little bit more words. No, the ones where I let my heart get baptized in raw, authentic wonder. They are the ones where I leave impacted. I'll never forget, Jason. I left prayer one time. This is, call it what you want to call it. I'll just tell you what I heard in my heart. I left prayer one time and I felt like the Father said to me. He said, that changed something in me. I'm like, you don't, you don't even have to change anything. But you know what my, my issue was? Is I thought it was just me in prayer trying to enjoy Him. But some of us are more spiritual than God. And we forget that He's first a father. And what father doesn't love it when his kids 
crawl up on him. It was not just me in prayer being in awe of who he was. It was him as a father being in awe of who he made me to be. So we come home yesterday after trying to play ultimate frisbee on the face of the sun. And working out with a torturer called Kalen Smith. I'm telling you. And I finally got home at seven something last night after cleaning, doing all the random stuff, and going to ch- unloading stuff at ch- church and taking church church taking stuff to the church storage and unloading stuff in my garage and running back to my mother in love's house and getting my kids and getting back. And I was like, y'all going straight, you all going straight to bed. And Brother Melatonin, you're going to meet him tonight. He's an amazing preacher. You're gonna, he's going to minister. His ministry going to be strong tonight. And so we get home. Honor is like this in the car on the way home. Like I'm talking about like. It's like I'm, when I say drool, drooling. Right. We get home. I was like, you know, I'm going to wipe y'all down. And just put y'all straight to bed. And it didn't. I mean, Honor was out. Sailor, on the other hand, had different had a different plan. So I'm thinking I'm going to put her to bed, and she does what she always does. She said, Daddy, um, can I sleep in your bed? And I don't know why I was thinking about this yesterday. Again, I don't know how many more nights I have where she'll never ask that again. Then she says, I already asked mom. Well, Lindsay's on the on, on the recliner, right? This lazy boy. She's 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 two inches from gone herself, right? And she looks over like, you didn't ask me anything. In her mind, she did. Yes, you can go, you can go, you can go lay in the bed. So I hop in the shower and I get out and I just grab her. She likes laying with us, yes. But she doesn't know. I promise you. I enjoy that 10,000 more times than she does because I recognize those are my memories when I'm older. On the couch this morning when Honor came, he wasn't feeling the best and he came and he said, Dad, I'm not feeling well. I said, get down here and lay. And I grabbed him and I put my chin, my hairy chin on his forehead. And I said, Daddy needed that this morning. Dad, what? I just needed you to be right here. Why? Because it's good for my heart. Do you think... That if we can feel this way about our kids, I'm just telling you, the posture of prayer, I know you're in a a bedroom or wherever you are, but you have to see what's really taking place in prayer. Guys, it is us connecting with the heart of our Father, and it's not just us trying to enjoy Him or even trying to hear a lot of times, I'm, I promise you, you, that's why I said you call my prayer life boring. I'm not saying anything. I'm sitting there until, for me, my heart gets stirred again. There's times I can literally sit on, on my couch and literally not like violently shaking, but I'm telling you, my body can just start slowly trembling. And I know the Lord, He's always with me, but He tangibly gives me a witness and says, Hey, don't get you tell I'm with you. I'm enjoying this more than you are. And can I tell you something? That's prayer. I am his Hepzibah. He delights in me. That's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And when I do pray, John says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That we know he hears us. And if you know that he hears you, then whatever it is you're asking for, you know he'll do it. Because he takes delight in me, I know he's hearing me. Come on, stand to your feet. Everybody say this. Say he's first a father. Say in prayer, I commune with him. I talk with him. I listen to him. I wait for him. Say, let my heart be baptized in raw wonder. Now say this, say, our Father. Here's an assignment for you this week. If you've been doing this, I salute you. Stay faithful. You know, we live in a culture that 
It almost seems like life is built for busyness, to make you busy. And then fight for solitude. And, but you still, you make the time to do the things that are valuable to you. And I want to encourage you all as families, and even for yourself, to make time to pray. If it's three minutes, spend time in prayer. I promise you it will seem like the most flesh-bringing-up thing you've ever done, but spend time there. Just get alone. Let the Lord baptize your heart with wonder. In my own immaturity, I used to pray God made me to be a good preacher. I've probably never really been a good one of those. And I should have been asking the Lord to make me a man of prayer so I could be a husband of prayer and so I could be a father that prays. I'm praying for revival amongst us. And I'm asking for a revival of prayer. I want to encourage you that the Abba of Jesus that he prayed to in the secret place is still there. Well, where is that? It's anywhere you want it to be. He'll meet with you in the secret place of your car. He'll meet with you in the secret place on your couch. He'll meet with you in a secret place in a closet. I encourage you to steal away. Husbands, I encourage you to take the hand of your spouse from time to time and say, sweetheart, let's just pray. I want to give God thanks for our marriage. If you've never done it, man, you're missing it. I encourage you to take the hand of your children and say, let's just pray. Father, would you make us to be a people of prayer? I ask you, Abba, would you make us to be a people of prayer? And would you let the sweetness of contemplation hit our hearts again? Would you let the beauty of communion and prayer be real for us again, Jesus? I ask you for every marriage and for every household for that to be a reality. You want to carry something through to you from this time until 2024? I'm telling you, start praying. On the other side of prayer is the greatest peace you've ever known. On the other side of prayer, I'm telling you, you're looking for these big promises, these big things. I'm telling you, just pray. There is a greater awareness of Abba. I believe it's awaiting for us in prayer. You're getting ready to know what the beauty of a stilled heart is. You're getting ready to know what the beauty of the voice of God really is, but it's coming by way of prayer. I'll go as far as to say this. In prayer is your greatest creativity born. Shoo. In prayer is the greatest wisdom given. In prayer. In prayer. In prayer telling you the Father gives you direction for rest like you've never had before in prayer. May the Lord baptize us in wonder in prayer. I want to ask you, Keisha, just to sing that through a couple more times. I'm going to release this. Be free to go. Please go get your kiddos. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.